This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. With me today are two of our traditional special guests for the early morning version of the podcast, <laughs> as we're going to call it. <laughs> and they are M. Joshua Collar. Hi. Hi, good morning. And you it, get whatever time it is where you are right now. Yeah. Because it could be any time. <laughs> <laughs> and Ted Lurie. How you doing? Good morning. Hi there, Zach. Hi, Josh. And hi to anyone else who happens to be listening. Yeah. And all I can see is Ted's blank face staring at me because we that. can't get this video chat to work. I don't know why my picture won't show up. It doesn't matter. We love your voice. <laughs> Never change. I won't. I won't change the match. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just started to smoke. <laughs> A good habit to pick up. Well, it's good for you. Yeah. Do so you mind sh- if, I, if I introduce what we're going to talk about today? Sure. Jump right in. Yeah, yeah. So there's the, the big thing that I wanted to talk about today was motivation of play. Why do we play games and how does that affect our, our relationship with, uh, with God, with other people, with, um, within ourselves, and how aware are we of those things? And I also want to do a brief uh, defense of sorts of, for indie games. And, uh, hmm. as this, promised, as promised. <laughs> and the reason, the reason why is because, uh, I, I felt like there was a little bit of underrepresentation from, uh, from the, the, the folks who really, really love most indie games, especially the pretentious kind, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like myself, I do admit, I love pretentious indie games, but the, the reason why I thought that it was worth, worth bringing up in a podcast and, and just doing it briefly, um, was cause we, uh, one thing that I think that we do great as a group. Um, as a podcasting group, is represent uh, a certain level of diversity across um, the Christian threshold. Um, just having different different perspectives on things, um, and I think that it's really important and valid to express that, especially because this week we had uh, we had that debate on TV with Bill Nye the Science Guy and Ken Ham. <laughs> Bill Nye the Science Guy, <laughs> you make it sound so childish. Well, it, it may, maybe maybe there was qualities to that. I don't know. I didn't actually watch it. I've just seen the fallout of all the response. I watched and ten minutes. Y- yeah. Yeah. I'm just... clueless. What are you talking about? Oh, there was a creation debate at the Creation Museum that Ken Ham started. He's the oh, guy that started Answers in Genesis. Okay. And so they had a debate about creationism versus evolution, that sort right. of thing. Yeah. And and I think that the the big the big flaw in that conversation is that that represents two great extremes to to that question um and when you go across the the family of of uh just american christians not even going from a a a more global perspective um but from the 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 american side of christianity there's such a wide diversity of opinions on that matter um and, and and a lot of that comes from uh just how people read the bible there's a lot of different perspectives that people have and a lot of different uh, denominations and, and, and theologies and things along those lines. Shall we fly our colors on this situation? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, maybe, maybe brief like, yeah. Huh. Uh, Ted, what do you think? Where do I come from? Are you a are you a young Earth creationist or a person who thinks Earth is really old or any number of different issues? <laughs> I, uh, I uh, as, a, as a biblical scholar, um, I do believe the creation account 
I don't have a problem with believing that it happened uh, in in the day format that it's described. So that said, we're talking about great mysteries, yes. and none of us was there. <laughs> so it, it's all theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's what's important is that when you have this communicated on, on a mass publicized scale like this, it shows two perspectives. And the the hard line is the lines are drawn in that format of a debate and there's not a lot of communication of, of, of where, where else you could go. Um, All right. Now I, put, I threw myself out. So who's next? Yeah. I'll, uh, you go ahead, Zach. I, I've been talking a lot already. I think that the earth was created in whatever many days, but honestly, I don't know because yeah. I wasn't there. So my position is of, I don't know how it was created, but it was created by God, and this account is as good as any in determining theological norms and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's my two cents. So we're sort of similar. Yeah. For for me, I, I'd say that I'm a, a, lot, a little bit more uh, flexible. I, that's that's rude. Um, Golly, flexible <laughs> enough? Yeah, I heard that. Wow. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, the be- a better way of putting it is like, all right, so for me, I, I have like a really – what, what was really important in my spiritual formation is more of a, a Jewish side of things. And from a Jewish standpoint, when you talk about days, you're talking about the, 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 in a traditional Hebraic perspective, like ancient Hebrew perspective, a day was from when the sun uh, comes up to when the sun goes down. Uh, that was, that was the, the context for when a day is. And the night isn't necessarily accounted for. Technically, um, when the sun goes down is the start of the uh, Hebrew day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, you're, yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm which is right. why their calendar is really weird, if you look at yeah. it. Or different, different, Zach. Right. right it's right. weird. It's not Roman. <laughs> I misspoke. Mis- Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But the, the question then becomes when you, when you have um, a, a six-day creation uh, that's using the word day to measure time, and there's not a uh, light, uh, there's not a sun um, to, to, to use to tell the time, the question becomes, what, how are you defining a day at that point? Um, so when it comes to how you decipher Genesis, I think that, me, for me personally, I find it the most mysterious book in the Bible. I find Revelations a lot easier to to, to parse in some way. Not, not, not necessarily entirely, but... Um, yeah, I understand what you're saying, because so, the sun and the moon doesn't come along until the fourth day. Yeah. So, so there could be some leeway there. In short, um, I think that there's a lot of room for uh, evolutionary theory, um, especially when you get to micro and mm-hmm. uh, to micro evolution, which is not the evolution that says that we evolved from monkeys, but the evolution that says that life on Earth is constantly in a state of, of transition. Yeah, so on a small scale, it's certainly provable. Yeah, um, and also on on a more global scale, the, the, for me, the question of um, was is the earth young or old is you know there's one question of did god create the earth old um and that's what i think a lot of the old earth yeah. creation uh, creationists stand by I, I could be wrong on that but um and the other the other perspective is that um uh it just god took his time <laughs> and and that when when it says days it's it's using them in, in a much in a much more poetic sense than in any kind of a uh, straight up sense, and I think a lot of the time when the Bible is communicating in a figurative way, um, it actually has a lot more significance and meaning and 
weight to it than if it was like this is this this is exactly how it was. Yeah, I think you made a good point. How you interpret the Bible makes a huge difference, especially in Genesis. And I am of the perspective that the Bible is not a textbook. It was not written as a science textbook. It was written with a completely different purpose in mind. So that's why there's so much room for debate and discussion. Yeah. So, um, how did we get here? We were talking about, so, yeah, no. we, yeah, we're talking no. about indie games, but that's fine. We yeah, could talk about current events. Yeah. yeah. Current, current events, but also the, the diversity of, of spiritual perspectives going into things. And I think that that's really healthy to have. Um, as long as we all, uh, you know, celebrate the, the character work and person of Jesus. Yeah. And as long as we don't say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's really, really important to any relationship. Um, especially for someone that you completely and utterly disagree with, um, to, to not jump down their throat, considering like they're never going to, it's, it's a lot more important to have a relationship and respect for other people than it is to be right. <laughs> but debate points are so easy. <laughs> and, and I'm, and I'm the, inclined and that, to be that kind of relationship doesn't make for good TV. So that's true. <laughs> that is very true. I, but I'm a person that tends to look for agreement rather than disagreement in any yeah. kind of relationship and conversation. So me too, and I think that that's important. Yeah. Okay. So, indie games and stuff. Indie games. Bill, <laughs> not the science guy. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. yeah no. That, I mean, that, that that was that was where my mind went with it too. Yeah. I was like, that guy, that guy, he's he's fun. Yeah, and he has a rockin' bow tie. <laughs> Every time he right. had one at the debate, it was unbelievable. Well, that's his image that he's developed, carefully crafted. <laughs> so, uh, hard, sli slightly harder transition to to indie games. Um, but uh, diversity. So you, Zach, you like indie games that are uh, most commonly Japanese. And the definition that you and uh, – I mean, not to say that that's a rule, but that, that seems to be a lot more common of a thing. Would that be yeah. accurate? Yeah. Well, those are the ones that I like personally. Yeah, sure. I realize that other people like other things, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, when it comes to uh, the conversation that you and Brian had on uh, Theology Gaming Sessions – uh, there was a lot of talk about the good, bad, and the ugly of indie games. And uh, some, some people have gotten back to me, and I, I, I kind of agree a little bit, uh, that there was a little bit more less of the good and a lot more of the bad and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kind of assumed. Uh, I knew Ryan going in wasn't too fond of it, so yeah, yeah, it ended well, up that way. And there's, and there's been a bunch of really positive experiences that we've, that we've all had with, with some indie games since then, and I think yeah. that brothers might be a good example for something that brian brian and i have played um uh, and i don't have you played that yet or either of you guys have you played uh, no. that is one i want to play very much but i have okay. not i will when a steam sale comes because sure, i'm sure. i'm part of the problem when it comes to steam sales i will yeah. wait understood entirely um but i yeah, would I, like to i think it's on available for the 360 and that's the system i'd like to play it on with the yeah. uh, dual analog joysticks yeah, you want to make sure that you have you have a, a joystick to play it on either way, um, but it's on all, all three platforms: PC, uh, PS3, and, and uh, that's not to say that those are the only platforms, but those, the, in my mind, those are the three platforms. Um, sorry, Ouya. <laughs> it's not on Ouya. No, it's not on. Ouya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. But, uh, anyway, so like, there, there's a lot of there's a diversity of, of experiences that for when it comes to indie games, and a lot of the definition. A lot of the critique that you validly offer, Zach, was that indie games don't have a 
Um, uh, a lot of the time, they're a lot more focused on pre presenting an experience and a lot less presenting uh, a game with, with consistent re re uh, repeatable mechanics um, that we often use when we use the word game. We, we refer to something that has rules, definitions, and parameters based on um, uh, fail states. Um, and of course, in a lot of indie games, especially something like Proteus, which I thought was a really fascinating experiment, uh, has no fail states. There's, um, you, you basically just walk around on an island that is procedurally generated, and animals, uh, pixelated animals, jump and hop and dance. And <laughs> I know, it's just describing it. It's just boiling my blood right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that so, one you played with your wife, Josh? Uh, yeah, actually it was, um, and, and she, that was one of the few ones that she really, really liked. Like, I wouldn't say that she liked it at, at, at its core, because like everyone else says about the game, uh, she didn't see what the point was, um, <laughs> and that, that, com that comes up a lot, but as far as, as something that she thought was enjoyable, cute, and um, non-stressful was, was, was a good, positive experience for her. Um, and, that, and, that's, and that's a valid thing. I mean, there, there has to be a certain level of uh, the reason why we play our media has, has to not always necessarily be entirely stressful, um, <laughs> especially hmm. if you're, you find life stressful. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, because video games are recreational, so you have to assume that not all the games you know, must beat you over the head difficulty. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's a really good point. Um, and I think that's why things like Kirby even showed up on, on the Spectrum 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, um, I like Kirby. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, and that's why I, p I picked that out. As yeah, Kirby ain't easy. Well, Kirby, Kirby, as far compared to, like, the original NES games, was a lot more easy. Like, uh, you hit Mario yeah, once or twice that. and he's dead, and then you hit uh, Kirby and he's got about, like, what, 10 health units. Yeah, he's designed as the entry-level casual gamer sort of thing. Yeah, when you compare it with some of the run-and-gun games, the Contras and stuff like that, they're brutal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, another, another example of an indie game that uh, is a little divisive in terms of whether or not it's a game is Gone Home. And Gone Home is, for those not in the know a first-person exploration game. Uh, basically, it's a lot like a real-world kind of Bioshock on a very small level and just one house um, yeah. and without shooting. And no eating, you know, potato chips out of garbage cans. Yeah. Which yeah, is an improvement. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is an improvement um, for the, the sake of the, the sanity of the player <laughs> and uh, the, the famous looter narrative dissonance. <laughs> Yeah, on that game, from what I understand, you you arrive home. There's nobody there. You're expecting your, your family, and you're trying to figure out what happened. Does yeah, that sound and, correct? And that's, and, yeah, and, and the core of the game in that example is that you're trying to figure out what happened, and you're doing that through every, everyday mundane items like notepads. And this takes place in the 90s before we had text messaging, so it makes all those things a lot more relevant and weighty. Um, and and the the... I, I wrote an article on Game Church uh, right when, around the time the game came out about how the game kind of reformed my conquistador tendencies uh, to once a storm storm a, uh, a video game location, complete everything <laughs> in there, and basically sack it and and call it call it completed and call it one. No, um, sack the house, sack the I, house. And I think that that actually goes goes very heavily into like 
um, open world games, which kind of tr train you to think of them as, I need to make sure that my entire map, like I just finished Saint Saints Row 4, I have to fin make my entire map purple. <laughs> yeah, you must <laughs> clear everything. I have to get rid of all the red on the map, or whatever, which is which is a very con uh, conquest-oriented mentality. And I think that Gone Home represents a very opposite side of that, which is, here's some very personal stories that you find through people's uh, possessed items um, in a very realistic kind of way. Like, there's nothing supernatural about it. There's a couple of hints at supernatural things, but it's kind of a, a, a distraction um, from... Or not a distraction, but kind of like a, a tease away from things. And it, it, it is, isn't actually... Um, there's nothing supernatural. You're not a ghost. Um, <laughs> you're not. You're not chasing ghosts. You're not going to find anything that that shoots at you. Um, yeah, it's like Luigi's Mansion without the ghosts. That's a really good example. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Mario. <laughs> Speaking of which, I know Ted, you you had loved the the recent Luigi's Mansion. Wait, I could did. You, could you imagine that game <laughs> without ghosts? <laughs> No, because the whole thing is about ghosts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I have no desire to complete that game. I beat the game, but I did not complete it. So, I, I'm not a person that is motivated to beat a game 100. Yeah. percent I consider it a miracle that I actually started and finished it. So, yeah. huh. cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand entirely as, as you grow up and, and get more responsibilities in your life, you have a lot less time to play, and so your your choice of games becomes shorter. Um, yeah, I've come to realize my motivation is just in different areas. It may not necessarily be about playing games. Uh, for me, mm -hmm. there's an element that's about collecting and, and reminiscing about mm -hmm. games, uh, as well as I was thinking one of my motivations for being interested in video games is the fact that uh, there's were so many that once upon a time I couldn't afford. So I like looking for old ones and being able to say, "Hey, I can buy this now." You know, <laughs> so that's uh, those are some of my motivations for for playing. But you don't have a Neo Geo. Huh. <laughs> I don't, not yet. I have a Neo Geo Pocket. Oh, close <laughs> enough. <laughs> Otherwise, you're you know spending lots and lots of money. Yeah, that's an. Is that the one that has those huge cartridges? I think so. Yeah, the AES system has huge cartridges, yeah, and the yeah. MVS does too. I don't have to have them all. It's just I, I like. Uh, also, I'm motivated to to search and hunt. And <laughs> yeah. So you enjoy it. you enjoy the collecting that you would find in something like Banjo Kazooie. Only you like doing that in real life. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and I don't have a bird in a backpack to uh, to make that little shock sound, but. Um, <laughs> What, what does your son sound like? My I'm son? Actually, he does. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, I have definitely enjoyed some of those games that don't exactly have a high level of difficulty. But, uh, for example, I'm playing A Link Between Worlds right now on the 3DS. Mm -hmm. And that is a challenging game. I mean, I have died many, many times. So... I, and obviously, I keep playing, so there there's something about it that keeps me going. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard it likened a little bit to um, what would happen if uh, a link to the past was mixed with Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that. Yeah, I'm huh. I'm, I'm chewing on because that. Because there's bit. there's just a whole lot of weight to when you die and you lose everything that you you purchased for that yeah. particular. That, that you rented, part. yes. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, you buy it all. Hmm. You know, but. 
Dark Souls is an interesting game because people think it's hard, but it's actually not that hard. <laughs> it's just mostly about pattern recognition. Right, right. Yeah. So the, the fail state is so in your face in that game. That's what it is, mostly. And, and that's that's a lot a lot more what it is, when you ha- especially when you have something like uh, a, a lot of indie games, especially Hotline Miami and Super Meat Boy, where as soon as you die, immediately you keep going. The music doesn't even cut. <laughs> and you keep you keep going for it, and I think that that has that represents uh, one side of quote unquote difficulty, um, and also uh, very transparent fail states where you lose all the experience that you just gained. Yeah, I think not fun. Also, yeah, <laughs> but it is a good punishment. Yeah, you you I, made an interesting point. I never thought about that when I played Hotline Miami, and I kept dying and dying and dying. Yeah, exactly what you're supposed to do. It's not actually that hard because all you have to do is just memorize the pattern that you need to perform on that floor. You don't die and you move on to the next floor. Yeah. You die and die and die. You get a little further and further. But the yeah. dying is part of the game. It's not necessarily because it's, it's a rhythm, hard yeah. game. That's just part of the game. Yeah, and with the music, it's like part of the rhythm. You just keep going like, oh, I died. Boom. Start so up again. Go through. Personally, I, I will not agree with you, Zach, on the fact that it's not that hard. Um, depends. <laughs> well, I, I also I also was one of the, those ridiculous people. I don't I don't one hundred percent games like Ted. I'm not one who does that. But that was one of the first games that I one hundred percented just because I got so into it. And oh, oh okay, I didn't one hundred percent it. I ninety seven percent. Yeah, well, because, because you had the uh, achievement glitch. Because the, the I'm not sure if it's an achievement glitch or if it's just because it's an achievement for having all the achievements. And obviously, I don't have them, so I don't know if it's like a big middle finger and like haha <laughs> kind of thing, or if it's just you know, the, the design of, of, of the achievements or if it's just a glitch or whatever. I, 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 I know that I, I got all the achievements except for the one for getting all the achievements. So the highest <laughs> is 97? That, that's what it is on my Steam. And it could be different on console because I haven't played, played through it on console. But um, the, the, point, the point of the, the game, though, is, is that there's that difficulty and that rhythm. Um, and then there's so much more about... Um, getting a, a good rating and the rating system like Zach has, has criticized in the past has some flaws to it. Um, but it still has a, uh, something to, to shoot for something to, to try to attain, um, to be able to, um, unlock all the game's mysteries and get the special ending and, um, find out what's really going on and so on and so forth. Um, well, but the, the the point that I was I was just getting at was that with Hotline Miami, Hotline Miami was one of those examples where my motivation and my my uh, intensity of, of playing that was not as uh, happy, uh, not as not as uh, quality I think than something like Gone Home where I, I played through, enjoyed it, and put it down. Hotline Miami was one of those things where I I kept playing it like a freak, like I felt like I was on drugs or something. <laughs> And you played it on PC? Uh, yeah, I played it. I played it on PC. I played it on PlayStation Three, and I can tell you why I lost motivation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily the game uh, play, but it was the game controller. I just didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, it seemed complex as far as the, was there hand grenades in it, or no? You had to pick up stuff, so I had to use like R one to pick something up, and then another button to use the knife or whatever. And it yeah, was just I felt been... like I had to learn the controls all over again because it was completely different from PC. Yeah, yeah. It has to be, considering you have mouse and I mean mouse and keyboard is not the same thing as right you know, twin sticks and, and buttons. I tried it with a controller. I I couldn't do it. Yeah, it was too it just weird. Didn't go well with a controller. For yeah, 
I don't know how it would do on a keyboard, but I don't think it's really designed with a controller in mind, which is why it feels so strange. Yeah, that was it for me, for sure. I was like, ugh. You know, I keep, I just, let me just walk over the knife and pick it up. Come on, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so games like, games like, um, Hotline Miami and Super Meat Boy, and the reason why I put those two together is just that, that, uh, you die a lot and the music doesn't cut and you keep going and the difficulty, those games are called very difficult, even though, um, there's not a high penalty for failure. Yeah, they basically require consistency in a very small window. Yeah. And then when you do that consistent thing, you're on to the next. So. And I, th- I think that that's true in a lot of the earlier Super Meat Boy levels, but once you get further into that game, I would say that the stakes get a lot higher. I mean, the levels are still relatively short. Yeah, like a minute long-ish. Yeah, but um, when you have, like, like very small margins of the error, once you get to those la- latter levels, I think that the... That, that that's still quite noteworthy. Yeah. I think I lost motivation on Hotline Miami when I couldn't get the game to start. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> been that's been a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean and that's and that's just a, a problem that a lot of people have with with game maker made games. Um, and a lot of the reason why oh. something when, when game maker made games are, are done really, really well. Um, it's something to, it's 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 rare and something to be celebrated, like uh, something like Spelunky. Um, but the, 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 the reason why that, that is is because um, the pixel transition from one size to another um, requires often completely separate builds. So when you have, like, with PC games, you have to create a different size for eat, for, for the ver- diversity of screens. Hmm. Within Game Maker, it's actually a lot harder to do. And that's not that interesting to talk about. But um, No, 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 <laughs> go on, seriously. A long time ago with Mode 7 on the SNES. <laughs> Yeah, mode seven. You could scale and rotate. <laughs> uh, good old F zero. <laughs> or Acrazer. That's my personal favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, anyway, so th- those are those are just uh, that, that, that's just a, a brief overview of, of some of the indie games. Um, and I think that we'll probably scatter a lot more conversation about indie games as we move a little heavier over into motivation. Um, but um, the reason why I wanted to talk about play motivate are you guys all right if we if we transition to that now yeah we were kind of in it already but yeah yeah. we're we're not we're we're, you know it's not clearly separated anyway um and i think that's good and fine um but yeah so play play motivation the reason why i was thinking about this was because um i uh i um i I fully made my saints row 4 map purple and (laughs) (laughs) which means that um saint and and you have to understand saints row is not a small open world game no Um, no, it's it's actually pretty big, and and I'm not the kind of guy who I, I I avoided Saints Row the entirety of the series for a long time uh, because probably because of the PR behind the third game and the the first two games I just wasn't really around for um, in the gaming scene at large. Uh, but when when three came around, I was like, oh, they're using porn stars and and uh, <laughs> phallic bats. Um, <laughs> Advertising. I, that's what I heard about it. Yeah, and those are all things that that are, are turned me off hardcore to it. And, and of course, I don't. Uh, sorry, poor choice of words. What are your turn on? Sorry. But yeah, as as somebody who struggled with porn um, in the past, like I I don't want that to be. I I, I don't want things that flirt with pornography to be in my life. So I, I just completely avoided it, and I 
didn't want to have anything to do with Saints Row 3, but for some reason 4, um, there was something about the exploration of the city and the... There's something in... Um, I listened to a, a Friends List episode on... not Yeah, Friends List on Polygon, which is a, a podcast from Polygon, where Chris Plant, uh, who's one of the main guys from Polygon, was talking about the game, and he dis- discussed the, the main reasons why I liked it, which was it solves the, pro- the big problem of open-world games, which is... Uh, getting from point A to point B. Uh, and most open-world games, that's just not fun. <laughs> uh, I, I could, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, like, like I don't even like driving around in cities. Like, I find that to be uh, plodding and cumbersome and a, lot, a little bit too much like the unfun parts of real life. Like, I have to commute an hour a day. I don't want to have to commute in video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the GTA so, 4. <laughs> so how did Saints Row 4 handle that? You're a superhero. Um, imagine when. Uh, remember when in the Matrix, Neo could fly. Uh-huh. Um, it, well, they never actually show him like necessarily just straight flying, just taking off and gliding. Uh, and in this game, you just take off and jump like halfway up a skyscraper, and then you can glide. I mean, these are all powers that you that you upgrade over time, and it's not like you start the game with these things. Um, but uh, within like two, three hours into the game, you're you're basically able to get across the sky. Um, just by jumping over skyscrapers and flying, uh, or, or gliding very, very rapidly across town. Um, so getting getting from one end of the map to the other um, can pretty easily be done within like a minute or two. Um, just this because is a very large map, you said. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's the sa- it's basically the same map from Saints Row Three, from what I've heard, um, and the the traversal and the fact just the fact that you're a superhero and have lots of powers. And all those things, it, it does erase difficulty, and it does do a lot of things along those lines. But the, the main thing that I was thinking about is, yeah, there's a lot of F-bombs. Yeah, there's a lot of innuendos. And honestly, they're so in, passing over, like, you can, like, like in Mass Effect, it's, it's basically like if you mix Matrix with Mass Effect with a lot of <laughs> um, uh, profanity and humor. Um, <laughs> and Close enough. <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't necessarily like those things or necessarily like those things by themselves um but i think that the the just all those things coming together and it but it it, it did really just make me question like why why am i finding all of this so much fun when i'm much more becoming like zach in terms of a uh player who likes difficulty like i started the game on the, the hard difficulty and i realized that just made the enemies bullet sponges and i didn't like that so i just turned the difficulty down and just let myself become like the boss of this universe, <laughs> and I think that's part of the design. I mean, you're you're the whole, the whole game. Like a few other things that I have to get, give as explain, explainers. Like you're playing as uh, you become the president of the United States within the first like twenty minutes of the game. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. So that's yeah. Not I mean, that's that's me. in all the marketing. So that's not a huge spoiler. Yeah. Then then you get superpowers, and then <laughs> and 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 also your your vice president is Keith David. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and for those not in the know, and I, I didn't remember his name, but I, I I knew who he was because I knew he was the voice of the Arbiter from from uh, uh, Halo. Halo. He's in Gargoyles, yeah. He's in Gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> That's my he, reference. Yeah, he was he was in Predator. He was in you know tons and tons of movies, famous famous credits all around. Um, I I mean he was even in Grey's Anatomy as a as an old gay guy who's flirting with George. Um, but. <laughs> The, the uh, uh, and and also for me most most notably also he was the um, uh, 
not colonel, but the commander, no, not the right word, um, but he was a superior officer in Mass Effect, and he was a very important character in the Mass Effect series. Um, but the, the, all, all that simply to say, like, he plays himself in the game as, like, the actor, and it's just, like, kind of like a joke, like, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he, uh, he's, he's calling to other people from, from, like, pop culture history like, that I didn't even remember, like, uh, Rudy Piper, the WWF wrestler, and, like, <laughs> Roddy, Roddy, Rowdy, uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper. Piper, there we go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, like, just, it's just, like, all over the place in terms of, uh, strange things that are, are funny and over the top and, and goofy along those lines, um, but there's just a world where there's so many different kinds of things that you can just basically mess around with. Like your the most common kind of side mission, or not the most common, but one of the common side missions is just go destroy everything. <laughs> like cause as much damage as you possibly can. Um, and I think that this has been a staple within the Saints Row series for a while, but like just that's the tone of the game. Is it's like just play this game and go have fun. And it makes me think of toys. Like this game is designed to be a toy where you where you have a story and you have uh, a lot of diversity of things to do, um, but it's just at its core about just playing around, having fun, experimenting. Hmm. And I think that that's okay to a degree, but I also realize that I'm putting too much time into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's feeding a subtle form of kleptomania to collect it all. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Sort of like Pokemon, except with things on a map instead of digital creatures. World. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it's interesting... With the the diversity part of this, you know, and the motivation element, as uh, this whole description of this game, I'm just like, this is not the game for me. <laughs> it's large, it's expansive. You can do whatever you want. Those are elements that I, I I don't want in a game. I like I like being told what to do, and this is where I can go. <laughs> well, no, you, you're you're told it's not like there everything's just out there. The the fascinating thing about the side quests or the the, the things that fill up the map. Every other um. A lot of other games, like, it's just your option to go and fill out the things on the map, but there's actually side quests from all the supporting characters that fill out the cast um, that are like, hey, uh, could you go and do this? And it's just clearing the map kind of things. Um, it doesn't necessarily make a, a ton of narrative sense, but in terms of, like, the relationship between the characters and being told what, what to do, if, you, if, if that's how you prefer to play it, that's definitely an option. Um, yeah. I'd say it's, it's probably pretty similar to... Um, to sleeping dogs in that sense, only okay, that there's. Which I'm there's, working my way through that one, so I can relate. Yeah, only it's a lot more fun to get from point to point in the town. Uh huh. And. But no pork sandwiches. No pork sandwiches. <laughs> and no, no. No martial arts training. And no street food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But um, but yeah, I'm just realizing that my motivation for for playing that is is not entirely altruistic. Um. And that there's there's just a I'm, I'm I'm excited to be on the final mission and to be done with it because uh, <laughs> like I, I liked it and I think that it's it's uh, effectively I wouldn't say worn out it's welcome but it's it's lived it's it's li lived its life in my in my playtime and as soon as I'm done I'll uninstall it and I won't play it ever again. Um, and it I think it sounds like to me you've been having a discussion with yourself, like why do I like this so much? Yeah. Why do I, I keep going back? And I think that that's important for a lot of people to have. Yeah. Um, but I, I've talked I've talked too much about Saints Row Four. What are you, What are you guys? Uh, what are you playing, Zach? And why Why are you playing it? Uh, I will explain my motivations for playing games by 
telling you about the two games that I did play this week. And the first of those is Pixel Junk Eden, and the second of those is More King of Fighters 13. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I am of the opinion that if a game cannot kind of grip you within a half hour or hour period, it's probably not worth my time. So, <laughs> and it's not that I don't like the game, it's that it's, you have a Steam library that forces yeah. you to play that way. Am I going to enjoy this that much to play it for another hour or another half hour, whatever, right? So I started Pixel Junk Eden because everybody seems to like it. And most of the it's, – it's basically like the Japanese version of Flow. That's I think that's the best comparison. Okay. And you basically jump around. You grip and jump. So you land on things in the environment, and then you can jump, and then you go to the next thing, and then you can unleash a little silk strand that will also allow you to rotate around and then fly up into the air. And you're basically just collecting objects. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if th any of this sounds interesting. This, this does not sound like a Zach game. No, no that's really why. Isn't. No, 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 that's why. And so I played it for like a half hour, and I'm like, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this, and, and there's not much penalty for failure, or doesn't make you. There's no challenge to it. It's just kind of time consuming, and I I understand why people would play it. It's relaxing. It's that sort of thing. But when I played it, I was just like, I need to play something else. I think I'll just go play KOF. So, <laughs> so that's what I did. Yeah, and I, I can understand that. And that, that aspect of like, you need something that that actually makes you awake. Instead of putting you asleep sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> Something. So I went back to playing KOF because I'm trying to get better at KOF, even though I'm terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's definitely not a starter fighting game. Sure. You know, more like Street Fighter would be that sort of thing. Whereas KOF is just... People who are good will obliterate you. It's not even funny. And that's, and that's one of those games where it's all about knowing combos and getting in there and starting them, right? Yeah, it's mostly about opening your opponent up. Because it's, it's, if you were to think of Street Fighter versus KOF, Street Fighter is like a 5 for offense and a 5 for defense. So there's kind of a mix of both. Because yeah. in Street Fighter, the number one rule is jumping is bad. Don't jump. Yeah. <laughs> because you'll get hit by a Dragon Punch or some kind of anti-air and... Basically, that will be the last option you have. Whereas in KOF, it's like 10 on offense and 0 on defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or a very tiny amount of defense. You need to know how to defend against offense. That's basically it. So that you can start your own. So yeah. what happens in the game is basically people are just hopping around the screen. Jump, 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 jump. <laughs> and, okay. and you have to basically figure out how to stop their offense to start your own. So, okay. so in that sense, if somebody's good and knows how to open you up, you will die. <laughs> and gotcha. it, it happens really fast. And then So you've been playing this competitively online? Yeah. Well, not as much as I would like, because I can't settle on picking characters, because I have to know three. <laughs> yeah. And that's a bigger problem than most of the game itself. And that game has a pretty big roster, right? Yeah, 35, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Super Street Fighter Four has more, I think, but this game obviously requires a lot more dexterity and that sort of thing. So are you motivated by the comp competition part of it because you're playing against other people online? Or? Yeah, I am motivated to understand how fighting games work because I really like fighting games and I want to play them more consistently, but I still don't quite get what I'm supposed to be doing. 
because I understand concepts like, okay, so you're vying for position, you're trying to attack, but in the midst of the game, I tend to forget things that I should remember, and, you know, like throws. Right. Yeah. So I'll attack some guy repeatedly, and he'll block everything, and I'm like, and I'm stupid. I don't throw him for some <laughs> reason, right? I should just really just empty jump and then throw instead of just keep attacking. But then I attack more, and then I die because <laughs> he right. finds the hole in my offense because I'm repeating myself, and then yeah. that's the big problem. And that's and that's just the the whole mentality, like the the deeper meta game of, of fighting games, which is yeah. getting inside the other player's head and how they're thinking. Yeah, and you can't go into patterns because once you go into patterns, they know what you're they will doing. Figure you out. Yeah, if they're if they've been playing fighting games long enough. So, yeah. cool. Very so, cool. if you think about in terms of motivation, I am motivated to play because of the competitive aspect and to understand how fighting games work, so I can play other fighting games. Okay. Like Persona yeah, 4 sense. Arena or that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I just, I really like the 2D fighting and how fast KOF is. Yeah. Versus like Street, fast. yeah. Versus like Street Fighter because I played Street Fighter and while I think it's enjoyable, Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, it's not really that fast. It's yeah. mostly just kind of waiting and sitting for pokes and then every once in a while somebody gets a combo off. Yeah. Yeah. And the more offensively minded characters are really good in Street Fighter 4 for some reason. So they play like KOF characters in a Street Fighter game. Yeah. Well, I just learned today why I'm not good at Street Fighter because apparently you you shouldn't jump. No, that's no jumping. That's my only move is the jump kick. That's the only thing I ever do. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back yeah. in the day. No, no, no. Do not jump. <laughs> well, if, if that's what you want to do, you should get the game Dive Kick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> which is which is entirely diving and kicking. Yeah. Well, it depends on what kind of jump attack too. Like yeah. well, what you really want to do is do what's called a safe jump, which is to jump and then do a jump attack at the timing that when you do it, your opponent can't counterattack you. So it's more like a setup. So like, you know, you kind of throw him, then you kind of know the timing of the jump and you jump and then when you hit him, even though he can basically. He thinks he can punish you. He can't, and then that opens him up, right? So I'm just. So this is still. This is that's still Street Fighter. You're that about. well, you can do it in KOF. Depends. It's not as effective because there's far too many ways to jump, and there's the short hops, which make anti airs really hard to do. Gotcha. Just, this just shows how our minds think differently. Uh, you are just you're fascinated by this. How these <laughs> games work. I mean, and a lot of it's about learning how to read things and, and, and yeah. being able to and being able to be in, inside another player's head. And I think yeah. that, that that's something that I only was able to find once I played a lot of Super Smash Brothers, um, uh, especially especially Melee. Yeah, Smash Brothers is pretty good for this too. Um, but uh, and that's also why I, I got into other other things. Like uh, lately, I've been playing a lot of local multiplayer indie games, uh, especially be, or preferring to bring those things to game cell. Simply because um, yeah. I I love being able to play games with a bunch of other people locally, um, and things like Samurai Gun and Nidhogg are those are both uh, multiplayer only games where you play as a pixelated character and fight other players and um, Nidhogg being a one on one tug of war fencing game and Samurai Gun being uh, eight bit looking. Uh, Smash Brothers like with samurais, huh. uh, where it's one hit kills and your bullets, you have and you have three three bullets. Um, it's it's very tense. We played it at Game Cell this past weekend. It's fantastic, um, and I can't wait to play more of it. And I 
am kind of wanting to rescind my rule of we only play games that we haven't played before. <laughs> <laughs> rule broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, rules rules for that. Those are just suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. what you need to have for game sale is uh, all rules are rules only until we change the rule. I, I, I make the rules. I can change them. Heck yeah. <laughs> you run yeah. that show. Take over. But yeah, it's it's all about relationship in that sense. And so what, what the guys willing to do, I think, is imp- most so important. So there's, there's a completely different motivation than what, you know, the game mechanics is one motivation. Uh, completionist is uh, another motivation. And then there's that whole social interactive uh, motivation yeah, yeah. Um, actually i played a lot of wii games lately just yeah. because of the multiplayer component actually just you know kind of an aside the wii is like my favorite system of this generation now <laughs> yeah because i played so many games you know like i played boom blocks That's which is a good game yeah i really I enjoyed it one. good job steven spielberg yeah who knew he could make it a compelling uh, party game yeah, That's I I like the Jenga part. Yeah, <laughs> part where you pull out the blocks. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned the Wii because I went on vacation last week uh, to the beach and there was a snowstorm at the beach, but um, <laughs> I I had to bring something for the TV, and so the system that I picked out of all of them turned out to be the Wii because it's relatively small in size. I could stream Netflix on it. Um, and I played, of all games, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting choice. I know, but, that, uh, but I was having a blast. The, it looked terrible the on that yeah. 50-something <laughs> screen. It looked horrible, but yeah. it was fun. It's just a fun system. Yeah, I even bought it like a Wii Motion Plus dongle because I wanted to play more of the uh, Wii Sports Resort. Yeah. That that is a lot of fun, the Wii Sports Resort. And so, have you, Zach, have you been playing that with your family? And, and yes, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of golf games, as I, I think anybody who's reading yeah, theology I saw gaming that you knows. Posted, like a, a, a massive like five golf game review. Yeah, because there's like a ton of golf games. I don't know yeah. why, <laughs> because but you know I have them all for some reason, so I'm gonna yeah. play them. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're all fun. They're all fun. I don't think there's a. I think the Wii has a lot of games that are just like here's the mechanic, and they just mess around with the motion controls to figure yeah. out how cool they are, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what I want, you know. <laughs> Especially in the early days of its release, a lot of the early games, that's all they were, were basically tech demos. You know, this yeah. is what you can do. In in some cases, it wasn't fun, but it was at least something <laughs> that people could do. And then, and then later on, people learned, developers learned that they could take that thing and actually make it fun and a good part of the game. So. I think that I, there's, I, there's a lot of interesting things on Wii, but I, Ted, if you don't mind, I wanted to hear a little bit more from you about um, what mode you were playing Call of Duty on. Were you playing the campaign, or were you playing it with, with someone in your family? or Interesting online? that you do that, because this ties into another thing that I wanted to talk about. But uh, So I have um, my in-laws here, my wife's parents, mm-hmm. and we were at the beach together, and my father-in-law is a Vietnam veteran. And, uh, you know, so he enjoys things military. And he was yeah. a, a Huey uh, helicopter pilot. Oh, wow. And I'm, I'm just really proud of him. And I love hearing him tell me stories. Uh, and I'm glad that he does because some people that have gone through a war, they don't talk about it. And yeah, yeah. he really enjoys it. So that's one reason why I kind of brought the Call of Duty one because around Mission 3, there's one where you're going in on choppers. And, again, it looked horrible on the Wii. But <laughs> it was just kind of neat to – to have him watch me 
play it. He didn't actually play it, but I was playing it and going around, and he was like, oh, there's a guy over there, there's a guy over there, and all that stuff. And, I mean, we didn't go deep into the game, but it was just enough of, the, of a shared experience. And and then it made, it got me inspired, so I tried something different. Uh, I want... There's no really good TV game or console flight sims. You know, they're all very gamey. They're not technical. So I went ahead and bought off of Amazon Microsoft Flight Simulator X, which I think was the last one made. Uh, it uh, The system windows it's for is Vista, so <laughs> that tells you, you know, what, yeah. about when they stopped doing it. But yeah. it, it arrived yesterday, and I borrowed a, a Sidewinder joystick from a friend of mine with a USB, <laughs> and we installed it on his laptop last night. Uh-huh. And we probably spent about two and a half hours with him teaching me how to fly a, a chopper. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and the controls are different, you know, so That's it's not awesome. exactly the same. So, no, but the, the, the simple fact that he, he taught – he was able to, like – recognize it and you're able to play a game with your father-in-law is like that's a Mm -hmm. big deal that's cool it was it was a great experience and then the the ultimate thing was i loaded in the charlotte airport and i don't even live that far from it so he took off from his helicopter and we found the river that's not too far from where i live so we ended up sort of flying close to where i actually would be i don't think it was it's on the map necessarily and then we uh turned it east toward charlotte and you could see like one skyscraper in the in the distance and it turned out that was all the map had for charlotte was one skyscraper <laughs> that's pretty and, bad and in the carolina panther football stadium those were the only two built Landmarks. up structures the rest is yeah. all sort of flat looking map stuff <laughs> but you know so we did a flyover the carolina panther football stadium you know in, <laughs> in our helicopter it was just fun it was yeah. it was really a great relation building interactive thing yeah. And that's huh. that was a motivation for me was to be able to share my love for this electronic world of entertainment that we all three love so much with somebody who's a, of a different generation. But yeah. he really embraces it, you know, hmm. as long as it's something that he can connect with. Yeah. No, that's awesome. You did a lot that's, better than me. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you had your own little game cell. You know, I guess I did, yeah. Game <laughs> cell, too. I think the the majority of my experience in Flight Simulator involved putting planes on helicopter pads and then trying to crash them. Yeah, I think that that's what most simulators are used for, is yeah. how can I make this crash the most horribly way, yeah. horrible way possible? I actually made a save game where we were 30,000 feet up in the air, and I had the plane upside down. And then I had to figure <laughs> out how to get it out of stall. <laughs> I, I it was not well, success- too. There was one time where he did something wrong, and the, and the helicopter was like spinning, rotating wildly, and falling <laughs> from the sky. And he was able to do whatever a real pilot would do to gain control of it again. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's really neat. That's awesome. That's really cool. And just so, like uh, it's nothing like the real thing, but it was it was close enough. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's really good. I think that um, that that definitely explores like another another really important. I mean, I, I guess I would would probably fall in the area of, of social play, but still, uh, uh, intergenerational relationship building and yeah. uh, and finding an interest that someone has. And that's one that's one thing about ha- that's great about having such a diversity of, of uh, interactive experiences. Um, sorry, I know that you hate that that, that term. So. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm indifferent. But, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, just just having so many different kinds of, of games that are available, 
um, creates an ability to connect with different kinds of people over different kinds of things and has lots of uh, fodder for, for conversation on that. Um, and there are missions available on that flight sim. I mean, we were just mm -hmm. doing the basic training and learning uh, type of a thing, but you can actually go on search and rescue and stuff like that. So that's, that's, awesome. wh that's where we'll go. I might have to report on that in the future. Cool. Um, now, uh, one, one last thing that I wanted to share super brief uh, is about uh, a, another game that I was playing that's been making me think about my motivations for play, which uh, comes out, I, I believe the embargo breaks today for a game called Jazz Punk, um, which, is best, which is actually the best possible title for a game, considering it's a common, it's basically like, if you know what steampunk is, you know what cyberpunk are. Um, imagine uh, basically just entire art styles based around uh, the prefix. So, like, right. cyberpunk is entirely based on, you know, like, um, cybernetics and future modifications, and, and steampunk is based entirely on um, industrial revolution style uh, machinery. Jazzpunk is based around uh, absurdity and improvisation, and it looks like a 1960s. Um, uh, graphic designers, happy dream mixed with tons of, of goofy, crazy jokes, and it's made uh, published by Adult Swim. Yeah, so, they, I know what game this was. <laughs> so the the tone of it is uh, effectively absurd and ridiculous and funny. Often, um, like uh, one of my be the so the, to back up a little bit, um, I'd say that as if if you know Thirty Flights of Loving, um, or if you know. Um, the, the Stanley Parable, um, I'd say it's probably a little bit like a mixture of those two with some actual substantive gameplay in the middle of it. Um, uh, so basically, like, really interesting first-person perspective uh, art style. Um, and uh, lots of goofy, funny, like, interactive gags and just, just comedy. Uh, like, a good example is uh, you go into a... Uh, you go into a movie theater and they're they're playing a weird commercial for a whirly doodad that 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 you strap to your head, and you get while you're in the movie theater you're smoking a cigar and you blow the smoke at the other patrons and they get really mad at you, and then you start throwing popcorn at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, or another another really strange and uh, uh, funny example is uh, every time that you get a new mission. Um, the, your boss tells you what to do, and ev everyone in the game is stylized in a very super, super visually simple polygonal shape, like basically just a silhouette. Um, but um, with, and everyone's like a robot, I think. Um, yeah, it looks robotic. Yeah, they were they were showing like a female looking robot on the video. I was just watching it. Yeah, um, and then uh, once you get your mission, he hands you a, a bottle of prescription pills, and once you take them, you you mysteriously end up at your mission <laughs> and he's like yeah um i'm gonna go down to the wine cellar now and uh go ahead and take your pills when you're ready to go to the mission and he'll just like pass out under his desk drunk <laughs> this <laughs> all, is a all the while all the while jazz music is playing okay this sounds like an adult swim show so <laughs> yeah no it, it totally it, like i've not watched a lot of adult swim shows but it definitely feels long a lot yeah it's surreal long. and strange very and... surreal very strange uh, well the tagline for the game is an adventure comedy game and poorly made word processor <laughs> <laughs> yeah is. exactly 
I think that says it all. Um, <laughs> also, one of the one of the other fit, funny random things that happens in the game is you you're exploring and you find uh, a wedding cake, and you open it up to find inside a a terminal, and you click on it, and suddenly you're playing a game of Wedding Quake, um, which is a wedding themed Quake game. So it simulates a game of Quake, only ever like you have to your weapons are like champagne bottles, and you have to like cork your enemies <laughs> cork them yeah and, and it, that's so your it, weapon yeah that, that's one of the weapons and the other weapon is like a, a, a wedding cake uh, minigun um, <laughs> just describing you, it is fantastic yeah and when you get a kill it's like it's like uh, till death do us par and like <laughs> it's just, it's just, and everyone's wearing wedding attire like it's just it's just <laughs> stupid funny and, and playful um, and in this absurdist 1940s, 19, yeah, like like early 20th century um, avant-garde mu- music and art scene kind of way. Huh. And so far, I've I found it to be absolutely um, brilliant as far as an indie game goes. But I also realized that as as much as I love it, um, I started to fall asleep a little bit. Um, <laughs> Because there's not a lot of like in-game tension, and so like one of and, and it really pointed out to me the the motivation of tension for for games a lot of the time is to as far as keeping you invested. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think that's why Dark Souls is good at keeping some people playing. Yeah. Because the whole game is just tension. All of it's tension. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing really to really. You know, that. something jumps out at you from the darkness, and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're it's just not, looking it's around. Not a horror game, but yeah. It definitely has a lot more jump scares than and, this. And you're looking around every corner, kind of going, "I don't want to die. I don't want to die." And this goes on for like thirty or forty hours. Yeah, I've heard with Dark Souls, the uh, enemies, any enemy that you meet, can kill you. Yeah, and, pretty much. You know how you play other games where you just level up, and so you can just wipe out, you know, ten of them in one blow. That's not the way Dark Souls works, apparently. No. The level zero zombies can can uh, can still kill you. knock you out. Yeah, that's sort of like Ninja Gaiden does a sort of similar thing, it except is. it's more about crowd control in that game. Because Dark Souls is mostly about here is like a couple enemies, and but Ninja Gaiden's like here's about five now kill them all. Like uh, current gen. Ninja yeah, Ninja the more modern ones. Okay. But I think original Ninja Gaiden could apply to this too. I mean, uh, the patterns of the enemies are there to kill you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you always have to be on your toes though. Cause Pretty much. There's there's a part of me that likes a game where I've leveled up, so it's something that used to really make me struggle doesn't anymore that's very yeah. gratifying that's a motivation to keep playing too and that's definitely another thing within saints row 4 like you get so powerful that basically nothing can really touch you yeah that's the part i don't like about most games is like being super powerful and then it's like ugh. well i i get why people like this but i really just want to be challenged to the end of the game and have to use everything i learned yeah well, and, and i like that too but saints row was one of those rare cases where i felt like it did it was right to design it the other way where you get overpowered and that's part of the design of the world and the 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 perspective yeah. of, of it but it's, it's just different different kinds of designs of games for different kinds of play yeah it makes sense yeah i was just to say a well-crafted game is even when you start to get that powerful there's always something to still challenge you that can kill you somewhere <laughs> somehow <laughs> yeah. those are the good games yeah cool 
I think that that, that does a pretty good job of, of uh, starting the subject of, of motivation of play. I mean, there's yeah. also other things like what what's going on in our lives since we get into games, and we'll probably get into more of that kind of conversation in another time. Yeah, but um, this but was good. This is a good intro. <laughs> this is a good introduction, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we all play games for different reasons. We all do a lot of things for different reasons, but... Uh... And I think as we, we can record with, with other parts of our, of our crew, um, we'll hear a lot more different perspectives and a lot more... Uh, the diversity of motivations, and yeah, I think that'll be good. Maybe we'll do this again. And you know, this is a great time now that we're not talking about it anymore to tell you what the definition of motive is. You want to know what it is? <laughs> Please tell us. According to dictionary or MiriamWebster.com, it's something as a need or desire that causes a person to act. Huh. Well, I think we covered that pretty good. Yeah, you did a great job. Yeah. And by the way, it has a, a Middle English Anglo-French origin <laughs> and was first used in the 15th century. Oh. Unnecessary information. <laughs> Woo but, it, but it showed up it showed up around the time of Shakespeare. Or just yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, before nobody was motivated. <laughs> before then. <laughs> nobody did anything for any reason. Until this one guy said, hey, I'm going to start writing plays. Don't go on it. <laughs> Completely random aside, my wife is a descendant of uh, the Shakespearean lineage. Um, well, uh, well, wow. specifically, uh, he was uh, like her great times ten uncle. Like great, 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 great uncle. So her family invented the human. At least that's what Harold Bloom would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if... Unless anybody has anything else to say about motives. I, I think just we... wanted to do one last thing okay. in the world of indie. All mm. right? I would like each of you to name a favorite indie game, and I'm going to compare it to what Games Radar listed as oh, the yeah, top right. five right. of all time game, indie games. Oh, so do me last. I'm name one of your favorite games, and I will tell you where it ranks on the list, if it does at all. <laughs> so, Josh, you uh. can first okay um I, I like to just throw this out like it's just one of those t like, titles that i pick i wouldn't say it's definitely my favorite if i'm being objective but it's just the first one that i pick is bastion bastion is number five on the games radar list of all time's greatest indie games <laughs> i know whatever i think of is not going to be on this list yours is going to be on number 97 yeah <laughs> all right what you got? I know I had I Bunny Must Die I liked, but I'm gonna pick something else. Uh, for that one, just I know you're trying. To I know I li I like Aces Wild. This is radio. Aces Wild, Aces Wild. I'll just say it. Aces Wild, Aces yeah. Wild. Aces Wild. That's a fighting game you were talking about, it. right? It's kind of like a side-scrolling brawler that you can fly around in. Yeah. That is not on the list. No. <laughs> I, well, I mean, indie games are such a slow build. Like, this, this, the game just came out, and with within like AAA games, if the game just comes out, everything happens for it right there. But with an indie game, everything builds over time. Like, Super Meat Boy didn't get huge until like maybe a couple months after it came out. Yeah, I think I bought it on the day it came out originally. Oh, well, well you made those yeah. guys happy. Yeah, yeah, I made them very happy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what's this list? All right, I'm just going to do a top ten, okay? Countdown. Right, cool, cool. So ten is Dust, an Elysian Tale. I it, no ew, idea. ew. Yeah, I, I, I really, really love... <laughs> oh, the art style is great. I didn't enjoy playing it, and right. I wanted to enjoy it. 
Number nine is To the Moon, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Yep. Josh likes it. Yeah, it's one of my point favorites. and click, right? Isn't that a point and click type game? No, for? it's 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 a um, top down RPG in the SNES style yeah. fashion. Okay. Only it's all narrative, so okay. everything about it is basically exploration and talking to people, yeah. and uh, but with a really really compelling narrative. Like Yen just, likes it a lot too. No, yeah, it's just, it's just worth playing if you get a chance. I need to play it at some point. <laughs> Ready for You'll probably eight? hate it because there's no 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 tension. Yeah, well, but I mean, I mean, I know what I what I'm dealing with going in. Yeah. So, number eight was I did not enjoy what I played of it is Limbo. <laughs> I, I, I liked, I loved it when I played it first, but now when I played it for a second or third time, I was like, this is all right. Yeah, it's it's all right. I didn't didn't it, do anything it for me. In game cell. It absolutely bombed in game cell. I thought yeah. everyone was gonna love it and. No one liked it at all. It's, the guy who's playing it's like, here's the controller back. <laughs> I think it's just not really a collaborative kind of experience either. That'd be my. It's opinion. more like to be isolated and alone, solitary. Yeah, man. that yeah. makes sense. I mean, like most adventure games work really well in a group setting, but for some reason that one didn't. That's because it's so like oppressive and dark. Maybe. <laughs> huh. You're supposed to be bringing light and life to your game cell group, Josh. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what is with the darkness? Yeah. <laughs> all right. You ready for number seven? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Fez. Haven't played it, couldn't tell you. Played a I, demo I, of it. It was okay. I really, really, really liked finishing it for the first time, but the game is just getting started when you finish it, when you reach like 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I don't want really? <laughs> It's a, more of a puzzle game than it is a uh, platformer, though. I believe that's right. I've heard some that had some really innovative puzzles. Yeah, the, the puzzles are interesting. Pat Gann absolutely loved it. He, he, went, all, he went for the whole 257%. Which is actual actual completion. That is what you're supposed to do is 257 percent, huh? Something like that, yeah. That's more than 100 percent. So that doesn't that mean completing the whole game two exactly. and a half times? Exactly. You love Symphony of the Night. It, Symphony of the Night does the same thing. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah but you can right, get more than 200 percent. But that's because <laughs> it's two. That's because it's two castles. That makes Moving sense. Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Number six on the list: FTL, Faster Than Light. I haven't yeah. played it, couldn't tell you. Very, very hard. Um, I've heard I've, it's hard. I've watched some people play it on YouTube that really seem to be enjoying it, but it would yeah. look like a really hard game. Yeah, it's 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 definitely worth it. You're just a ship going through the galaxy, I guess, fighting off uh, a... It's random each time, I think, what you face. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's a roguelike. It's procedural, so each yeah. time you play, it's a little different. But, yeah, a little um, different setting. It's still but... always very difficult. <laughs> yeah. All right, number five, as uh, someone mentioned, I think already was Bastion. Mm, it's okay. I haven't played it, but I, I would, I would like to play it eventually. Yeah, I know Brian Hall hates it with a passion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Hall, he, he, he hates some things with a passion. Yes, often. often. <laughs> I'm starting to see a pattern. But there. he likes things a lot really, when he likes yeah, them. He yeah. So, okay. number four on the countdown, Cave Story, a game I actually have played and beat. Oh, it's yeah. okay. Did you like it? I've, I've only okay. I've only played through like the first bit of the game. Uh, it's I've... worth playing all the way through once. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these indie games that I've played, I'm kind of like, you know what? Well, that was fun. Yeah, you know. There's something yeah. about sometimes these big games that other people, other big companies make that just have so much more to it. Um, but that's kind of what I felt. I, I left Cave Story. Maybe I didn't play it right. I did finish it though. Uh, maybe I didn't do it right. 
Well, there's, but there's I, I was a little like unfair, a really hard way of finishing it, and like there's like a again like that extra completion thing. Yeah, if you do it in a certain way, there's certain points in the game that you're supposed to do specific things, and if you do them right, you can do the last quote unquote last level, which is called hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't do it either, and it's on a time limit, so not really that. Yeah, well, I I wasn't interested. <laughs> Games Radar says number three is Super Meat Boy. Yeah, mm, I don't know. Doesn't do it for me. Didn't do it for me either. But a lot of people liked it. So. We had it, we had a that was one of those games where we had some great memories of playing it in Game Cell and uh, the guy who was playing the game absolutely freaking out on the on the first <laughs> boss in the game and it's hilarious. I <laughs> I I'd, I'd, I'd point you to the YouTube video at some point, but okay. it's it's on my it's on Love Subverts. You can find it. it it'll be on this podcast link okay. page, okay. I think. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Send it to me. <laughs> okay. We're down sure. to the last two for the top twenty countdown with Casey Kasem. No, that's uh, <laughs> that's one thing. Number two is Minecraft. Not surprising. Uh, Number two. That's. I mean, I I don't. I've played it for about. 30 minutes and was like, yep, I see how far, I see the beginning of this rabbit hole. I've never played it, ever. Oh, wow. It has captured the imagination of millions of people. Yeah, there's there's no, you can't overstate how big this thing is. I mean, Notch, Notch made like $100 million last year. Off yeah. of this game. Or wait, did I play it? I can't remember. I'm, I'm confusing my memories with Yogg's cast. <laughs> the human memory is a strange thing. Maybe I'm creating a memory right now. <laughs> did I play it or did I play it vicariously? I honestly, I think it? I really did. I think if, I did. If we go back five, if we go five minutes into the future, you're gonna forget we had this conversation. No, <laughs> no, I don't remember. Ugh. I, Sorry, I think I did. Making a, a memento reference. <laughs> yeah, I'll write. I'm gonna tattoo myself, okay, yeah. and write it down <laughs> right now so that I remember. Minecraft. Why do I have a Minecraft tattoo? <laughs> I have short-term memory loss. Let me What's tattoo one, information. Number one, I'm creating a drumble effect by hitting my chest, is Braid. Huh. <laughs> wow, that was a muted response. Yeah, well, I mean, I absolutely, like, like, that game I absolutely found fascinating, and I got super deep into it, and I would definitely say it deserves a high spot on this list. I'm just surprised that they said it's more influential than Minecraft, considering yeah. Minecraft made a hundred million dollars last year and and uh, braid made not a yeah. hundred million dollars i played braids recently and then i stopped yeah it's, <laughs> it's a very it's the, the difficulty level in that game is is astronomically high for solving some of the puzzles and and uh i was plot together and you know i it wasn't that i don't uh, I, you know what i don't get the time thing <laughs> Well, I, it's different for each level yeah. too, and that's the weird thing about it. Is that, I like, get it in other games, and, it may, and you figure it out, and you're like, "Oh, I think I get it." And then you go to the next level, and it's like, "I don't get it." <laughs> yeah, I get it in other games, but not in that game, because Bunny Must Die has a bunch of time warp, kind of rewind time, make time go fast forward, that sort of thing, and in a limited time frame, right? You have like yeah. a meter that kind of dictates how much it goes, but. In Braid, there's no limit to how far it can go. So I, it was like, the rules are not clear to me. <laughs> there, there is a limit. It's, it's just a very, very, very long limit. Yeah. And, and uh, but yeah, no. Jonathan Blow's game design and, and thoughts and, and everything about that game. There's a reason why it has so much attention. 
I wouldn't say it's the best indie game ever, um, but it is definitely one of the best and definitely worth playing. And, and I think that, you know, you know, Zach and I are a little on the same same mind that lists are a little obtuse. Lists are fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, Love lists. To talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some notable mentions were uh, Guacamole was number 11. Oh, cool. Hot it should be Miami number one. 12. That should be number two. <laughs> um, World of Goo, which I had played, was 19. Huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Castle Crashers, which I've played, was 21. So, yeah. that, <laughs> uh, the further away from the beginning, uh, very, very uh, goofy, funny game that feels like it should be like an, an Adult Swim game. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't find it mechanically satisfying. Anyway, um, I actually have to get ready for work. Um, All right, so, so I, I, I love you guys. Wrap up. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah. evaluation today. I better get there on time. Yeah, you better all get to wherever you need to go on time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you for listening to the Elegy Gaming Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating if you liked it, or don't give us any rating at all because there's no point. Yes. <laughs> uh, and if you like to see more Theology Gaming stuff, go to Theology Gaming. If you like to see Josh's stuff, go to lovesubverts.com. If you want to see Ted's stuff, go to wildmanted.com. Am I missing anything? That's good. Yeah, and I think that's a good wrap-up. So yeah. enjoy your day. Go Love find the motivation. Or evening or whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> All right. Say bye. <laughs>